And welcome back to the For Film Site Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Arshid, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Bunraku. I didn't know how to pronounce that until you just said it. I, I, I pronounced it a little wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Bunraku. Okay. Or some shit like that. Yeah. Like, Japanese pronunciation is no. interesting. Yeah. Um, but before we do any of that, ketchup. The condiment. ketchup. The mustard. The condiments. And uh, everything it, in between. It, it's, um, uh, it's fucking snowing. <laughs> yeah, it's snowing. It is snowing. It's snowing pretty good. It's um like when you when you're looking at the weather app, like from last night, it was like, all right, we knew we were gonna get snow. We knew we right. were gonna get ice, we knew we were gonna get freezing rain, so like that. So um we went ahead and put a whole bunch of salt down. I'm sure I've seen some salt in y'all jar yep. too, yep. Put a whole bunch of salt down. We went to uh, to Lowe's yesterday, like while it was still like drizzling a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was a fucking madhouse. <laughs> yeah, like, people go fucking crazy <laughs> in snow yes, days. Yes, it was a madhouse because like all everybody was in there just carts full of salt, so <laughs> much salt. You know, everybody was getting. We ran up in there, got us some salt, came back out. You know, put the salt down and everything because I knew I was coming out this morning for pod, but didn't know how bad it was going to be. It's pretty fucked out there. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty fucked. Bad. Yeah, and like it's like. Not even that many inches of snow, mm. but it's like way more than North Carolina can handle. Oh yeah, it's that it's that ice and slush. You know, yeah. like the the snow so much, whatever. But just like the, the like how you said, North Carolina can't handle because we don't have the uh, the trucks that are just plowing roads at yeah. all times. Like on the way here, it's just like usually when there's snow and slush, there'll be like a um, drive lines, and you can follow in behind someone else's tracks. There's not enough people on the road, so it's just like now it's like on the way here. I was like, fuck. As long as I can keep my momentum, then I won't be stuck on the side of the road like these ass clowns now. It was like. <laughs> Three or four cars on the side of the road just <laughs> sitting there stuck with hazard lights on. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy right now. I don't want to be him. God, please don't let me fucking be that guy right now. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. really is something unique about, like, being in, like, a weather situation mm-hmm. where, like, suddenly you start, like, bargaining with a God that you don't believe yep. in. Yep. You're just like, God, fucking please, not today. Not yeah. like this. Yeah. Not like this. I'll sacrifice, like, a goat or something. Anything. Fucking please. What do I need to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't want to be in that. But yeah, it, it is snowing. As as the weatherman has said, it is snowing yeah. and it's coming down pretty good and it's cold. Yeah, it's, it's like we were looking at the um, at the weather app last night because like so you you know it is going to go down because um, say the temperature drops at nighttime mm-hmm. as always. But then I was looking at say 32, 32 degrees at four a.m. Then five a.m. is thirty one degrees. Then be like, all right, well six, seven, and eight. You know, it's going to start picking up. You yep. know, because the sun's coming out. Nope. nope. Thirty one <laughs> degrees. Thirty one degrees. Thirty one degrees. We're at what noon? Like one o'clock right now. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't. I don't think it's above thirty two. Uh, let me show you because my, my weather app tells me it is like fucking like 30. It's like it's, it's 32. Still 32, 32. See what I'm saying? I, was, I don't yeah. think it's broken 33 degrees. <laughs> and that's what it was at two o'clock in the morning. It's it's fucking rough out here, man. Like we, we live like for people like us, like because I'm from a fucking island. Mm. I never dealt with the goddamn snow. Oh, until okay, I yeah. came here. Yeah. And then the first winter that I came in here. Mm. I We had we had a snow. snow. Mm. And then it's 33 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, all it is. Yeah. Um, so, like, just, like, the first year, I enjoyed my snow very much. But nice. now I'm just, like, fucking, I got shit to do, man. It snows. Like- it snows. <laughs> and it's, like, in the where we're at in Charlotte, we don't get enough snow to, like, how you said, justify being able to have the roads cleared and these snow machines out. Yep. Like, I live, I was, uh, I went to school at North Carolina A&T in Greensboro. They get snow all the time. You know, so they're prepared for it. The roads right. get cleared up. I mean, there's snow everywhere, five, six inches everywhere, but the roads are clear. They- Not Charlotte. Nope. Not Charlotte. Not Charlotte. Mm-mm. But we don't prepare for fucking hurricanes where we go fucking crazy over snow. Though. We didn't prepare for this damn snow. Look at this shit. I, this doesn't I mean, look yeah, like prepared. <laughs> this is fucking. bullshit. There was no preparation for this at all. Like, no. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> like, uh, not like tell that to the people on the side of the road that are still sitting there right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're a lot of prepared. You know they what? are Touché. pissed Touché. off right now. 
That's a whole day ruined. Oh yeah, 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 yeah definitely it's is. A yeah. Bad day. Anyway, I, um, did you see anything? Uh, I I didn't. I wanna. <laughs> so what I did, like my week has been kind of weird because mm-hmm. I technically graduated. I didn't go to the graduation because okay. I was in Raleigh. All right. Because um, our campus is closing, so that yep. was a clusterfuck. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so they threw us in with the Raleigh Durham people. Okay. And uh, the graduation was last week. Okay. So technically, I am a graduate of the Art Institute of Charlotte now. Technically? Well, technically. Why not? Why not? Um, well, because we still got a week. In oh, the, in, in school? Okay, in okay. Like, I still haven't got the degree yet. Yeah, gotcha. Um, um, but I graduated, so nice. that's good. Congratulations. Um, well, well, how about like a, a party or something? Like some kind uh, of get-together shindig? Or, no, we, we are going to do that. We okay. are going to do that. There's just been a lot of clusterfuck with yeah. the school closing down. Yeah. Uh, so this is my last week of work. Nice. So like we'll probably do something like close to like Christmassy time okay. um, to celebrate the fact that we've graduated. Nice. And uh, it's, it's going to be lit. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, that happened. Yeah. And so that was like... Not emotional, but I kind of, like, I know that I'm going to miss the school the same way that you miss, like, an angry cat. Okay. You know, like, you've had this cat for, like, 10 years, mm. and it never really liked you. Yeah. And it always, like, nipped at your feet, mm. but, like, when it's gone, you just kind of go, like, you man, miss I missed that cat. Yeah. That cat was, uh, that cat was good. He was an asshole, but it was my asshole. Yeah. I can um, see that. So that's kind of the emotional tonality with graduating, yeah. and I'm ready to, like, see what happens next. Oh, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. It's a little scary. Mm. Um a little uncertain, but I've gotten past my fear of uncertainty yeah. a little bit yeah. uh, since we started doing the show. Like, those three years have really helped me get yep. past that fear of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, so I'm, like, looking forward to it apprehensively. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, so that's been, that's been that emotional train. And then I got Tinder okay. uh, recently, and that was been a clusterfuck. Um, but I went on one good date. Yeah. Um, with this girl that I'm talking to on Thursday night. Not as a result of Tinder. I was browsing Tinder. Yeah. And then happened to meet this girl. Right. That's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so that was good. Yeah. Uh, went to Amelie's impulsively at like one in the morning. Nice. And then talked for like five hours. Mm-hmm. And it's been going really well since. That is really cool, really cool. Um, so I'm excited as fuck for that. Yep. She's pretty mm-hmm. and she's hella smart. Well, as long as we don't mention her name so we don't have to go through this cycle Truth. we've gone through <laughs> Listen. with you in the past. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you, you get really amped up and then like mention their name and then say all this kind of stuff and then like I'll ask about it like next month and then you don't know who I'm talking about. It's been like, it's, it's been like a week. I'm confident about this. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I won't bring it back up, but if you bring it back up like a month from now, then I know that everything's so great. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, you know, Talk about fucking calling me out. God I mean, come on. We, we, we've been in this cycle I, for a while. I generally forget that there's a cycle. There's no cycle this all right, time. Okay. All right. All it's right. good. Yep. She's good. Yep. She's pretty. Yep. I like her. Yes. She likes me. Yes. We're doing this. There we go. We're fucking doing this. All okay. Right. All right. It's happening. Mm-hmm. There's no cycle. All right. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds ah. all very good and believable. <laughs> yes. Um, no, but seriously, though, I do hope that. They, they, God uh, damn it! I mean, there was a um. I don't know what I was looking at. Maybe it was a movie we just seen. Yeah, it was. And um, one of the characters says, "There's um that love isn't forever. That the only thing that is forever is hope." Yeah. You know, so it's like just the same way. It's like the the love and lust and the infatuation. Like these things aren't forever, but just the feeling of hope that things can get better and I can find happiness. That's gonna be forever. Yeah. You know? No, it's gonna be it's gonna be lit. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the difference with with this one and then the other ones is that I didn't know this one until we went out yeah. for things. So like the pretense, like it's not like there's a friend that I'm excited about dating. Yeah. It's just like. I met her, mm-hmm. and then we immediately started the thing about, like, yeah, let's try to figure this out. Yeah. Um, so that's the difference. 
hope that's not a cycle. Hey, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, I mean, the, the, like I said, the main thing about it is just like being in the moment, like yeah. not thinking about like two weeks from now or a year from now, but just like that moment of having ten. Like, what what movie was we were watching, and it was like that. Um, oh, Francis Ha. It is being able to share that moment where you look in someone's eyes and share a moment, even if it's only five seconds and it feels like a fucking year. Yeah. But just like those moments, like you don't get that all the time. I mean, I've been with my girlfriend for almost four years. We don't get that moment every day. Right. You know, yeah. you, you just don't. No, so, it's, so it's just like when you're able to get that feeling and that and just feel good, like that's what I'm happy for you about. Like you got that feeling. And yeah, yeah. We, that's, we, that's pretty awesome. We did. And she's smart and we started talking a lot. And I was like, dude, there's this fucking red car outside of our window that's like been trying. <laughs> To fucking move. Oh yeah, he's back and forth, like, back and forth. Yeah, man. Like the most, fuck, please, minutes. please, God, don't hit my car though. Please, God, don't hit my car. I don't even like my car that much, but no, I just don't no, want to deal with it. Man. That guy is struggling like fucking crazy. Oh man, he's backing up. He's going back and forth in the snow with his hazard lights on, directly in front of Brian's house. We're gonna do a live commentary. Oh shit, he's spinning out. He is spinning out. His wheels are spinning out. He is officially stuck. He's yeah. not getting out of that. His front wheels are spinning, uh, still spinning. Yeah, he's not getting out of that. Yeah, no, that guy's fucked. He's not getting out that of that. That guy's fucked. Uh, no. Uh, we'll, we'll, oh, he's getting out of the car. He's uh, getting out of the car. He's getting out. Uh, let's see if he has a, a, a snow shovel of some kind. You better have a shovel or something, because you're not getting out of that, bro. <laughs> nah. Because, like, right, right by where he's at, he's in the middle of the slush. And he dug in some more by spinning his wheels. He's in there. Yeah, he's fucked. Uh, he better get better get ready for like a hand digger. Oh man. Well. Yeah. Well. Ho- hopefully that's not my fate in about an hour or so. <laughs> I'm, glad we, I'm glad we share that moment with that guy. Oh man. Oh, that sucks. Oh man. I kind of like it's that feeling. It's like I want to help him. Should we go help him? I I think we should. Yeah. Let's let's put it on yeah, pause. Yeah, we'll be let's, back. Let's go. We'll be let's, right back. Yep. <laughs> Fix it. Hey. All right. So that guy's no longer stuck. Oh man. Helped him out. Yeah. That was good. That was that was a wild thing. Like he was stuck. Like I said, we as you heard, you know, we yeah. were commentating. He was sitting there spinning for the longest. We get down there with shovels, and then he gets stuck again. Yep. <laughs> Shovel them out. Got stuck again. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's just testament to the fact that it's it's bad out here. Like it, it's, it's it just is bad. bad. But uh, we helped him. Yeah. We left, and then me and Chris hugged it out like a script out of a Christmas movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we did. Yeah, wish him well on his way. You yeah, know? and it was uh, it was fucking lit. Yeah. Uh, also, it is it is fucking. Like, god damn is it cold like 32 yeah, degrees is no goddamn joke it is well I don't, I don't know why i take every moment in my life and then like come think about it as a movie i do like, the same thing because like just now when we were out there i was imagining us being in the old west trying to help some guy get his horse out of the mud <laughs> <laughs> you know, his horse is just like hoof deep in the mud yep. he can't get out of there and we're helping get the horse like out fucking neighing the way <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt, too. Yeah. <laughs> we get the horse out, then he steps in some more mud. Like, yeah. what the fuck? He's like, oh, God damn it. Now he's like knee deep in fucking mud. Yeah. Like, shit. Listen, we're just going to have to put that horse you down. got to put him down, man. You <laughs> have to let, walk just, it out. Just let the mud have him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. fuck. But yeah, um, what were we talking about? Um, we're talking about things that we have seen. Um, yeah. I've I seen Stars, A Star is Born this past week. Oh, yeah. I, I saw your, your Twitter review. Yes, yes. Um, I'm giving it like a 7.5 out, out of a 10. I believe that's what my rating was for it. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend's rating for it was an 8.5 out of a 10. Okay. So um, I, can, I can see the, the definite difference between my point of view and my girlfriend's point of view and what I think the majority of the people who this movie is for right. would rate it as. I think if you really enjoy romances, then you're not going to give this anything under like an eight and a half true you know which is funny because i i traditionally hate romances mm. um and i fucking love that movie oh love wow yeah okay. uh, i thought that movie for me was like a 
I mean, the movie for me was like a solid seven and a half. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, just because of Bradley Cooper, like he, being fantastic at directing. And he, like, yes, he did a very good job directing. Yeah, the cinematography also did some really cool things mm-hmm. with like the connection between Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's character, yeah, which yeah. I really fucking liked. Yeah. Um, <coughs> that is the story is a little sort of predictable. Like I knew what was going to happen. Oh man, so um, predictable. Yeah. Like, like, I, like I didn't. My girlfriend and I guess a lot of people have seen so many other iterations of A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. There's like five different versions of yeah, it. Yeah, there's like fucking. Oh yeah. Them. Yeah. And um and now this one's like I went in not knowing the story at all. Right. So for the first forty five minutes, I'm like, okay, what's supposed to happen? Hour in, okay, what's going to happen? Hour and thirty minutes in, okay, I'm still waiting for anything to happen in this movie. Yeah. And there isn't anything that happens until the end. You know, so I'm just kind of like just waiting around, waiting around, waiting around, trying to find out what is this about? Because the beginning of the movie is like you get you find out that Bradley Cooper is an extreme alcoholic. Yes. So it's like okay, like it's like okay, foreshadowing, he's going to drink himself to death. Waiting for that. To happen right so then it was like all right it's going a little long that hasn't happened yet another foreshadowing thing the very beginning of the movie bradley cooper when he's talking to lady gaga he keeps saying huh what'd you say yeah. and then i was like oh is he a really good actor well he is but i'm like nope that's part of the script yeah. he, he can't hear very well what is it, like tendonitis he's it's got called? A, yeah he's got a degenerative like ear disease i don't know if it's like tinnitus yeah. but it's like it tinnitus. creates a beep yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, there's a foreshadowing right there, so that's going to come into a, to effect in the movie. Like, or, or else, why are they advertising all of these things? And they, and they push out really hard too. In the yes, movie. like throughout the entire movie, Bradley Cooper. And, like, it gets more intense. Bradley Cooper keeps leaning into people yeah. um, to hear them speak. Yeah, and it was like, I'm looking at all those things, and when I didn't get a payoff at all for those things, I was kind of upset. Right. But if, if you're just looking at this movie in and you put yourself in Lady Gaga's shoes, then it can be a more enjoyable movie for you, I guess. But yeah. I just, I felt no sympathy for Bradley Cooper's character at all. Didn't care about what happened to him at the end. It yeah. just seemed like a, a guy who is selfish, ego-driven. And it was definitely all of those things. Yeah. Um, the movie had impact for me because I aligned with Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, like, I felt like the movie was a movie, like, she was the protagonist. Definitely. And uh, I relate more to, and it was also her point of view. Yep. Um, so like, I, I was just closer to Lady Gaga's point of Should view. Should have been. So yeah. It hit hard when things happened, mm-hmm. and they affected Lady Gaga. Yeah. Partly because her performance was so fucking good. She and, amazing like, Lady so Gaga good. performance. Yes. She absolutely. I think she absolutely carried that movie. Me too. Yeah. Without a doubt, killed it. And then the performances for the songs, like that was really good. Too. Fuck. Like, yeah. The, when she sang "Shallow." Yeah. Just for, like, yeah. Mm, yeah. So good. Yeah, like you, I can't, I can't knock the music. The music, the production value, I loved, I loved yeah. all of those things. It was just the uh, the story, like I said, a little bit by the numbers, a little predictable, and not enough things happening for me as someone who's not a big fan of the genre. Right. But even being not a fan of the genre, I can't knock it but so much. Seven point yeah. five. But if you like romance movies, you're probably gonna like it a lot more than me. Um, this movie is gonna be mentioned ab- amongst the Oscars. Not gonna get Best Picture. Bradley Cooper is not gonna win, you know, an Oscar for this. But Lady yeah. Gaga will be nominated. The, the movie may be nominated for Best Picture, and it probably will pull and one Oscar from something. I'll honestly be surprised if Lady Gaga doesn't get a Best Actress out of it. She'll get a nom. Yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. a Best Actress. Yeah, she'll definitely get a nomination. Yeah, definitely. So it's um, like I don't know if this so this movie won't be the one pulling in all the Oscars, but it's going to get nominated for a few. I wonder if who's like who's going to win Best Actress this year because I've seen a lot uh, of really good talent, but yeah. I can't pinpoint one that I would think would win Best Actress. There's still a lot of movies yet to come out yet yeah, that I need to see. Movies I haven't seen. Either. I got to see that uh, what Emma Stone does in that movie. Me, you and Jonathan were talking about uh, the favorite. I want to oh, see yeah, what she yeah, does yeah. in that. I want to see what uh, Margot Robbie does in the uh, that new period piece. I can't think of the name of that. Right. Um, the movie that's coming out on Netflix. Aroma, I think it's something like, something like that. Aroma, I don't, I don't. It's I don't um, it, well, it's, it's going to be in the television movie premieres, yeah. but um, it's a huge movie. It's like a um, 
It's, it's a damn Oscar push. It's right. the same thing that Netflix does every single year because they won the Oscar so bad right. when they did like Beasts of No Nations with Idris Elba and now they did um, the movie with the Corn Brothers just recently. It's like they're trying hard to get that Oscar. So <laughs> we'll see what, what happens with Netflix. It's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun end of the year conversation for cinema. Especially because oh, yeah. we had a lot of really good cinema. Yeah, we had some good and ones. A lot of like independent yeah. good cinema. Too. Yeah. So that should be exciting. Oh yeah. Um, Star is Born is a good movie. Yes. I rewatched parts of Black Panther. Okay. Uh, recently with the family. Also on Netflix now, yeah. Yeah, also on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it holds up. Like I, think, yeah. like, I liked it when it came out. Me too. But I didn't think too much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still good. Like, it's I a good movie. I liked it a lot. Me too. Um, it is literally the same movie as Thor Ragnarok, though. Like, structure-wise. Okay. <laughs> like, it is literally the same script. All right. King gets, like, Prince. His dad dies. He gets the throne. He gets dethroned. He has to... The, like, the only difference is that Thor has to destroy Valhalla yeah. or Midgar. Yeah. And then uh, T'Challa has to reveal Wakanda to the world. Mm. Same structure. Same fucking movie. I can see that. Uh, uh, but still very good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then what else? I don't think I've seen a lot apart from, like, the movie that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, just because I've been, you know, dealing with... Life. Like, yeah, life. Yeah. Graduating. I went yeah. on a date. And mm-hmm. I've had a good time with that. Yeah. And just... All that jammerina. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Having a good time. Shit. 23 is a weird age. Man, like, I would not go back to 23 to yeah. save to save anybody's <laughs> life. Like, everybody just go ahead and die before I go back to 23. <laughs> I promise you I would not. Because, like, in one part of it, it's like, there's, there's this um, a phrase uh, said the youth, uh, what is it, youthfulness is wasted on the young. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, sure. and it's so true. It's like, like at 23 in your early 20s, like, the world is your oyster. I was talking about it last week is how your metabolism is amazing. Yep. You, you're so mutable. You can literally change into any, um, well, metaphorically change into mm-hmm. almost anything that you want to be in the world. Yep. You know, at 23, you could still be an Olympic athlete if you chose to. If you decide to dedicate the next two, of you, two years of your life, you could possibly become an Olympian. Yeah. There's nothing I can do at 34 years old to <laughs> Become an Olympian. There's nothing I can do, you know. But it's like there's the good and the bad. Like 23 is just like you're going to be experiencing so many new things for the first time, and you're going to get fucked. Yeah. You're going to get smashed over the head. But there's those highs and the lows. You're going to have the best time in your life and, and the, the worst. worst and I hope you don't kill yourself. It was like a <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only. <laughs> I can describe those twenties, <laughs> because it's so great, it's so awesome, but it's also the worst too. You know, if, if you guys could see the look in Christopher's face when he said that, yes. that was the most honest, so sincere. Like, fucking, I really hope you. Don't fucking yeah. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. I think that needs a charger, maybe. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i mean it's just it's how it is like the the 20s is just so many new experiences and learning so many different things and then by the time i guess you get to 30s and 40s it slows down a bit you don't have as much excitement but you don't have those same terrible bottomless lows either though no so. you definitely do do fucking not um 23 is such <laughs> such a weird fucking age yeah. and like i don't know when we started the show mm-hmm. there's a thing that i've noticed because i listened to an episode okay. way back all right uh, when we started the show, I was a lot angrier and I was a lot more just sort of like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. What was that about? Yeah. And now, like, I listen to, like, I think it was the Francis High episode that I listened to. Okay. And I listened to the opening, like, just even, like, my tone of voice just mellowed out. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just, like, fucking, like, yeah, man. 
don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Do you know how many? Like you, you, you were in an angry mood for quite a while. Yeah, it was for like a quite whole year. a while. <laughs> I would talk to Jonathan, and I was just like, "How can I do this movie without setting Brian off and having a terrible episode of him just being angry at the movie yeah. <laughs> this whole time?" It was a wet in the entire fuck. It but was, yeah. uh, it was rough. It was rough for the first year. But, Thank you for sticking that out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I love, love movies and love doing this. I mean, yeah. it's it's a one time of the week to where you can have a debate when someone doesn't have your exact same point of view and it's not that okay well fuck you i'm gonna walk over to my side right you know yeah. to where you can just both talk about something and disagree or agree but just have the conversation have the conversation and that's yeah. my favorite part about the Me show too. too but i'm also glad that i've mellowed out just yeah. in general i feel good about it i've adjusted emotionally to my surroundings nice um so yeah 23 has been a good 2018 was a good year it was, it was like a cathartic year yeah it was a fucked up year mm. and a lot of shitty things happened for everybody sure but it was it felt cathartic it kind of felt like I don't know. It felt like taking old yeller and like shooting something that was bad in the body. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Old yeller was a good dog. He was a good. He was a good dog. But it was just kind of like, like there was a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. Mm-hmm. And then the good dog was just kind of like sad all of the time about it. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of went down, and they just went like, "Listen, man, I gotta let go of this." And the dog was just like, "I gotta let go of this too. Please help." And then you just kind of came to a mutual agreement, uh-huh. and then there was some catharsis. Listen, the metaphor. I feel died. like you're rewriting Old Yeller. Yeah. Like that, that's not the movie that I saw. It's not the movie. <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. I get what you're saying. Like I completely get it. I'm like, that's not the movie I saw. But I, for the metaphor, it definitely yeah. works for the situation. Metaphor. Though. Yeah. There's like 2018 was like a sad dog, and yeah. you gave that dog new life yeah. by letting go of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's oh, kinda, okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. All right. That's kind of the. That's the metaphor. I get, I I get what you're saying. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, old yeller. You were <laughs> yeah. a good dog. I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's been fun. And uh, we're getting near the end of the year again. Yes. We have like maybe two more episodes till the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's exciting. And I'm looking forward to the recap of like the year. And the, the, the next 30 days of cramming as many like Oscar movies, movies as possible. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Going to spend a lot of time at Vizard. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to like reevaluating what the year was about nice. and sort of like for the podcast and for myself and yeah. all of that. It was a, it was a good time. Also a lot of fucking good movies that we got to see. Yes. And, uh, this is part, that's probably one of the most valuable parts of the show is that I get to see a movie a week and mm. a lot of those movies are good movies. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, yes, I was about to think of like, I see a movie a week, but like what I love about it so much is that, um, some of the, at least 40% of the movies that we do, I haven't seen yet. Right. So it just opens me up to a different understanding of another human being's, um, perception of the world, you know? And then that just puts it into like, it, it, I feel like it just makes, like adds a little notch to me every yeah. time I can understand someone's perception of the world and how they see things differently. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's like, like, that's like the beauty of film and yeah. filmmaking. That moment when you're just like, all right, I get that. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty fucking fun. Yeah. Um, like that, uh, the guy that directed Mandy, I can't remember. He, the, we did two uh, of yeah, his movies. Um, Panos Cosmatos. That, that guy, yeah. It's yeah. like, before, I had never heard of the guy, never seen any of his movies, and we seen the first one, and we were like, what the fuck, guy, <laughs> okay. don't ever make movies again, <laughs> you know? But then, like, after we seen the second movie, it just opened up a new point of view to, yeah, like, the- where this guy's mind is and, like, how he sees the world, and, like, I don't hate him as a director anymore. Like, right. I, I understand him now. I hate his first movie, yeah, but I don't yeah. hate him hate as him a director. Hate him as a director, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that guy's an, I've never had it such a quick 180 on a director mm. as Panos Cosmatos yeah. honestly that was fucking wild it was um, but yeah no that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of filmmaking yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway I'm really excited to talk about this fucking movie alright so I'm gonna call it and say we're gonna to talk about Boon Rocket let's go <laughs> welcome back uh, 
Christopher, do your thing. All right, we got a uh, Bunraku. Is that what's Bunraku? It's a Bunraku, Bunraku. Bun like the Japanese pronunciation is gonna be like Bunraku or something like that because it's a Japanese puppetry. Okay. Uh, then the name literally means like Japanese puppetry or something like that. Okay. Uh, Bunraku. It's a rated R. It came out in 2010. It's a drama fantasy movie with a runtime of two hours and five minutes. The rundown is using cutting edge visuals and heart pounding fighting cinematography. Um, not, not cinematography, choreography. Bunraku combines comic books, spaghetti westerns, samurai films, video games, and more into a glimpse at an alternate future. In a world without guns, a mysterious drifter walks into a strange town terrorized by the ruthless Nicola and his army of thugs, headed by nine deadly assassins, including the vicious killer number two. The drifter is forced to trust a young samurai looking. Uh, looking to restore his family's honor and the local bartender who has been secretly awaiting a dream team to help overthrow Nikolai's tyrannical regime. Uh, the writer-director is Guy Mosh or Moshe, I think that's Mosh. Uh, stars, I think it's Mosh, too. Yeah, uh, stars Josh Hartnett, Demi Moore, Woody Harrelson, and Ron Perlman. Listen, this movie, I picked it just on a whim because my dad I watched it a long time ago mm. and I saw the trailer and I was just like, yeah, that's going to be, that looks fucking fun. Let's okay. do that. Um, I don't know how my dad fucking found this movie. I don't know how he watched it. I don't know where he watched it, mm. under what context, yeah. but I'm so grateful that he did. Okay. This is a movie, this is why I'm confident that critics and audiences mm. are so disconnected from each other. Okay. Uh, because of movies like this. Like, mm. this movie has a, on Rotten Tomatoes, has a 17%. Metacritic has and, a 28%. And a Metacritic has a 28%. Yep. And, like, on IMDb, it's six point two one star. This is 6.2 um, for right now. A yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. IMDb. Um, but the reviews often have, like, one star, mm-hmm. two stars um, type reviews, like the individual reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could not fucking love this movie any more than I do. I, I know you would love <laughs> yeah. it, yes. I'm not it's, even like it. You would love this. Yeah. Uh, it's so, like, it is such a fucking fun movie. And, like, but the user score, like, the critic score is really low, but the user score is, like, above average or good. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like... It really speaks to the disconnect that critics have um, and audience have inherently, I, just because of uh, like, the way that they watch movies. I, I possibly like um, like I read a lot of reviews mm-hmm. on it because um, number one, like we talked about it last week, I'm like we've never reviewed a movie that was so like uh, poorly received, yeah, you know. And I, I was like, what what is this? Like I've never heard of this movie. It's not in the zeitgeist. Like nobody that I'm ever going to have a conversation with has seen this movie. Like what what is it? Why are we doing this? And then I looked at the um, the the people that were in the movie, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm not familiar with the director. I looked him up. He hasn't done anything of note. But the 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 actors in it, Demi Moore, always loved her. Yeah. Woody Harrelson, love everything he's ever done. Yep. Ron Perlman, I don't know if I like him as a human being. I heard him. We had we had different um perspectives on that we yeah, heard yeah, him yeah. on mark maron it made you love him that much more oh, it made me kind of despise him <laughs> after hearing him on that but as an actor i love him as an actor he's a fantastic you know? actor. love, love him in hellboy talented. love him in uh, sense of anarchy you know so i'm like mm-hmm. i really I like these actors so it's like i'm gonna dive in here just like i would any other movie and pretend like it is mm-hmm. the best movie ever you know so i'm proven differently and like what i wrote down for why i believe that you would love it is um that like i said it's an action fantasy that flaunts like a stylistic type <laughs> of so good. Yeah, and it's um and pastiche is another word that came up came to mind because yeah. we were talking about um Quentin Tarantino is just taking like that spaghetti western and all these different things and putting it into one thing. And uh, the number one thing I put is it is best enjoyed for those who who movies can't look too much like comic books. You know, so it's like if you're not into anime, comic book heavy stylized movies, then yeah, it's gonna be a one point five for you yep. or two point something. And on top of that, like the story is. Man, it's yeah. like the narrative is man, the plot is man, you know. But like, if you 
you're watching it for, the things that you want to see. If you want to see a comic book come into life in a movie, this is one of the best representations of it. Oh, absolutely. You know? It's funny that you mentioned anime specifically because Mm -hmm. one of the notes that I took was, this is what live-action anime should look like. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can can, can (laughs) ride with that, yeah. And, like, it is is such a flair because, like, yeah, you're right, the plot is math. It's very bad. Uh, it's your classic, like, outsider walks into town, doesn't have a name, yeah. and say, starts fucking shit up because yeah. he's taking revenge on somebody. Happens yeah. all the fucking time. Yeah. We've seen it. Oh, yeah. But goddamn it, is it a good anime plot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it just lines up for your character to just go kick some that's fucking ass. Yeah. And that's what this movie is. This movie is just like three whole dudes just, just kicking ass. Kicking whole ass. Yeah. And I, like, there's a thing about movies, like, I. I have this. We I don't. I don't know if this is an unique perspective, but I have this pers- perspective that is, if a movie knows what it's doing, mm-hmm. and it embraces that it's doing that, and sort of presents it to you in a way where it's not taking itself too seriously or yeah. too lightly, yeah. it has just the right balance of like schlock and like true storytelling. Mm-hmm. Then I nine times out of ten, I will fucking love that film. No, I can't. I can't take away from because um, from what it does. Because what it does is trying to purposely do it. Right. Like it is supposed to be schlocky and cheesy, but it's like. On top of that, I have to take away from like an action. If I'm like looking at Oscars and movies that have credibility to go further than what it actually is, I got to take a lot of points off for like that. Um, one of the things we talked about is a re- reliable narrator. Yeah. And through this, like immediately, I'm like, all right, we're first 15 minutes, like okay, but then we're seeing that same narrator through the entire movie, and I'm just like, Ugh. like a little, <laughs> little little bit on that. And then the other thing that kind of messed me up was just the the mashups of so many different kinds of genres. You know, it was like four different genres. Like you want video games, you want comic books, you want Western. There were so many genres that it almost felt like a... Like, a, like too much of a hodgepodge. Yeah, like yeah. it's like I couldn't identify the different... Like you put all those things into a pot and it becomes like an unidentifiable kind of mess for me with the untrained eye of seeing anime and video game being yeah. into that world. So it's like unless you're in that niche to be able to... Clean clearly identify the different pastiche ideas that he's putting together then that puzzle looks like a like an amazing jigsaw puzzle that has come together to something beautiful Absolutely. you know but for anyone that aren't, isn't in those niche groups it's just like it's unidentifiable and a bunch of things thrown into the pot and the taste just isn't recognizable any longer yeah. and and i and i totally get that and i mm. think that like this movie is best enjoyed when you par- actively participate in all of those, genres. oh yeah, definitely, not in, like all of those genres, yeah. I entirely agree. But the blending of, because like w- like space westerns, like mm-hmm. Cowboy Bebop, yeah, um, that do a really unique sci-fi mix with like old western tropes, oh yeah, work really well for me. But then also, but to take like the ancient world where everything is dominated by melee weapons and yeah. swords and fists. Yeah. And then put that in, uh, not a, I don't want to call it post-apocalyptic, but like I mean, it was, dystopian yeah. Kinda, yeah. Okay, yeah. future uh, where guns have been outlawed. So people know, know of the existence of guns, yep. but culturally they had to revert back to becoming the strongest fighter. Yep. Then what that did for the culture is such a fucking cool premise. I like that a lot. And then, like, and, and then things like Woody Harrison saying, like, we got a cowboy without a gun mm-hmm. and a samurai without, without a sword, sword. Mm-hmm. and they're going to have to go kick some ass. And it's yep. just kind of like, fuck yes, just give me all of that, like, ironic schlock. I mm. just want to consume all of it. Okay. Uh, so, like, I really enjoy the premise. The premise, I think, is fucking fantastic. Because, right. like, the plot doesn't really matter. It's the premise of, like, cowboy without a gun, samurai without a sword, in the same place, fighting baddies. Mm. Um, that's kind of what I just, like, that's, like, the, the heart of the movie, having fun with that idea. Yeah. And 
that's what I like about it. It's having fun. No, it definitely with is those fun. Ideas. Yeah. And it's like having fun with like the pretentious sort of high class killer bad guy that only exists to be like a like a just like a killer off the block with mm. uh I think his name is Eddie. Um the red suit guy. Oh yeah, um, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um I fucking love this entire persona because he just felt like bleach anime villain. Okay. And I was just like, oh fuck, I love it so much. I, I was <laughs> I was like like I like looking at it different like I, I just have to put myself in that anime uh comic book type of world because like I said, judging it as like a movie when we have all those criteria, like I said, the narrator and then like going to Demi Moore's character is just like why is she even there? Yeah, no, she did nothing. You know, it's <laughs> she just did like, nothing. Like, in terms, yeah. like they underused her because she's such a talented. Uh, Very much. Actress. Like I, I was, because like I said, I didn't know much about it, so I'm like, I'll follow Demi Moore. But like, but Josh Hartnett, his character, I loved him in, Absolutely in this. Absolutely, love Josh Hartnett. Like, I can't. There was another movie, The Black Dahlia or something like that that he was in. I think, I think I've heard something about like that. that. Yeah. But yeah, he's like he, he's a really good actor. He's gone by the wayside in the past five years or so. But this is an excellent performance from him. The um, the guy that plays Yoshi, my dog's name. Yeah. <laughs> um, the guy. That uh, his name is, uh, I think his name is Gakt. He's a um, Korean or Japanese pop star, Asian pop star of some kind. I think um, somewhat certain that he's Japanese because okay. he's been in Japanese games that I've played a lot okay. as a voice actor. Nice. And I don't know if he was an English voice or a Japanese voice. Uh, I don't quite know. I know he was in a couple of Final Fantasy titles. Nice. The um, well, doing the research, they said that the uh, the director he seen he knew him from being a pop star, like a singer, mm-hmm. and he wanted him specifically. He had to go all the way overseas to make him do this movie. He still refused because he had so many other things to do, and he finally agreed. So, like with that backstory, then I appreciated that guy's acting so much more oh, because yeah. I didn't know who he was. All I know is he has a history that's not so much in being the lead actor in a movie. And you showed me like I didn't know who you were, and you could have been a fifty year actor for all I knew. Yep. Like you did great. He did yeah. fantastic, and he. Yeah. Just has that, like I know as a casting, like if I were to cast that character mm-hmm. and I saw that fucking guy, I'd yeah. just be like, I want that guy. Yeah, he just yeah. looks the fucking part. He does, and it's amazing. Oh yeah, and uh, he was he was actually like my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. I think uh, just the blending of like that Japanese aesthetic, which I'm like a super fan of, mm-hmm. and then the the blending of like the Western presentation of characters. Yeah, just fucking felt delicious. Yeah, I, think, it was good. I think my favorite scene in the movie was um, when Josh Hartnett goes to play poker mm-hmm. for the first time and they're sitting there and um, it, it's very shady, you know, and, <laughs> you, and, and Josh knows that he's going into a situation to where you can't win because the guy he's playing against, uh, Nikolai, he's never lost a card game and he's never lost something a else. A duel, yeah. Never lost a card game, never lost a duel. You know, so you're not going to beat him in cars and if you face him, he's going to kill you. I mean, that's just what it is. Right. So uh, Josh goes into there knowing this and I'm not sure how he cheated the system, you know, but he does. Yeah, and I'm not sure either. I don't think the movie tells you. Yeah, it's like, but um, he, he cheats the system and he's able to beat Nikola. And my favorite shot of the entire movie is, um, so he put he pushes all of his money. He goes all in, and uh, one of the guys that's collect one of the lackeys for Nikola, mm-hmm. he goes ahead and starts to take the money. And he was like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" He's like, "I don't need to be aggressive. All right, we'll take your time." Mm-hmm. And then he shows him his cards. He's like, "You can't beat this. I already know you can't yeah. beat it because I already know what you have." He shows three queens and two aces. Queens yeah. over aces, full house. Then looks at Josh Hartnett's hand. Camera's still right there, just. Bam, 
crayons down a little bit, then see kings over eights. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> how could you do that? And I just like how they kind of illuminated each one of the cards, you know, yeah. ace and red. Ding, 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 ding. Like how they illuminated the cards. So I'm still loving that. And then after he, he takes his hands away, he shows the, the um, he shows the cards that he, win, he wins, brings all the money there, and it sits in front of him. And he was like, hey, uh, you wouldn't happen to have a rabbit up your sleeve, would you? <laughs> just a little joke. He was like, hey, I'm cheating, and I know you shouldn't won that, so you must be cheating too. Yep. So uh, how about how about so he rolls the sleeves up? He was like, all right, how about put your hands on uh, on the table where I can see him for the rest of the time? Then the camera just sits there, yep. hands on the table, and the stack of money and chips just grows, 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 yep. and grows. Favorite ten minutes of the entire movie. It was it was an amazing mm-hmm. it was an amazing way of handling a yep. poker scene. Okay. That shot where he's like sitting there with hands on the table yep. and the chips grow. Yep. Amazing to me. Yeah, that's I my favorite fucking, scene. Fucking love that shit. Like, what an idea. Yeah. To put that as the climax of a fucking poker game. Yeah. You know, because we've, we've seen a lot of poker games in mm-hmm. movies, like Casino Royale and shit, and they're really tense, but none of them as, like, quaint as fun and funny as this one, I think. I think this is one of my favorite, like, poker encounters in a movie. The only the only other one I could think of besides this one, there was uh, one, a movie called Maverick with Mel Gibson, and there was another one with um, Matt Damon and someone else rounders it's mm. called um, I don't think I've seen any of those yeah but th- those are the only two that I could compare it to that I've seen a card game that was more memorable or just as memorable but this one as far as editing I can't think of a card scene as far as editing editing and cinematography that was done better well done mm-hmm. yeah no I, I, I absolutely agree and that's where I think this movie shines for me it's in the like the choreography is amazing mm-hmm. the set design is amazing but mm-hmm. this movie shines for me in the tiny like what would be character moments uh in like where they just say something cheesy and mm-hmm. it's like a one-liner, yeah. And then he's got like, ah, oh, fuck, that was cool. No. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. the when he like walks out, he pushes all the ships, and it's just like, oh, I don't care about the money. Just like meet me here and then, yeah. And then just leaves with the fifty thousand dollars that he took for, from Joe. I love that line too. You know, he was like, um, he, he brings his money and he was like, hey, I wouldn't feel fair, I wouldn't feel right taking your money unless I seen you face to face. You know, <laughs> so he takes his money, leaves the remainder of the money that he won from, and was like, hey, when I see you, you know, we'll deal with it there. Right. So I'm like. I, I like this guy a lot and like how he left that out. It was great. And then like the, I like the playfulness with the stereotypes, you mm. know, we got the, we got the henchman, we got the big baddie, mm. we got the bigger baddie, mm. then we got the cowboy archetype and then the samurai archetype. Mm. And like the cowboy archetype, the way he moves and the way he presents himself is very clean Eastwood meets, um, dirty like, hair type stuff. Yeah. Meets what? Meets what? I mean like a dirty hairy type guy? Yeah. Yeah. Like mm. a dirty, dirty hairy, mm. uh, just meets that persona with a sort of like playful, confident, cocky persona. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I'm I'm trying to think of a, like a like cowboy meets like action superhero. Yeah, it's kind of like the vibe that I'm going for. The, the way he moves, the way he's obsessed with the tobacco and everything like that. They're good callbacks to the archetype that uh, make you just go like, all right, yeah. The, my favorite example of that playfulness, um, like not being so, so serious, is the first time that he fights Yoshi. <laughs> and um, they're there, and um, he punches Yoshi one time. I was like, all right, I'm about to whoop this guy's ass. And I took a turn. I'll leave my hat on and my jacket. You know, I don't need to <laughs> be thinking about this too much. And then Yoshi gets up, and he does like almost one of those crouching tiger hitting dragon moves. <laughs> Very cheesy. You know, when he puts his arms out and then motions him, come on. <laughs> you know, even like, uh, you've you seen this move in um, The Matrix when uh, Keanu Reeves is fighting uh, 
Agent Smith. You know, like that. <laughs> he, he does that. And, um, I love that scene so it's much. It's so fucking cheesy. <laughs> you know? But it's like, I, but I, like I said, fun. Just for like having fun. It is a yeah. fun moment. I'll have some wine with that cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, so then he begins to, to kick Josh Hart in his ass. So, you know, Josh Hart gets, falls on the ground. He's like, okay, um, maybe let me take my hat off here. <laughs> put my hat up. Take my jacket off. Let's get for real. And then after they actually start fighting, they both end up laying on the ground, you know, bloody. It's like, shit, we're fucking equals. <laughs> you know, they look at it as, as equals. And something that, that Woody Harrelson, you know, he's a bit of the, um, like, a, I want to say mediator, but that kind of like that glue that holds things together. Yeah. You know, he's, he's talking. like the wise guy. He's like the yeah. wise mentor for both of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bit. Yeah, talking about the um, the yin and the yang a bit towards like you have the good guy, you have the bad guy. But when if you put both of those people together, then you got something called gangbusters, <laughs> you know, and it's the most powerful thing that you can ever have. And it was like, well, there's no such thing as that, you know, because it's always somebody more powerful around. Right. And then he tells us like, yeah, that's something very wise coming from a young guy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, li- I like the, the conversations between Woody. Any scene that Woody had Woody Harrelson in, I think I was super in- enjoying. Yeah, Woody yeah. Harrelson just had that air, just has that air that wherever he says just sounds like the objective truth mm-hmm. at the time when yeah. he's in a movie. I just love the way he presents himself, the way he carries whatever lines he says. Yeah. Woody Harrelson just fucking sells it. Oh, me. yeah. And um, there was there was a scene with the um, with uh, Josh Hartnett and Nikola uh, Ron Perlman mm-hmm. uh, and a drifter. He's like, uh, unlike you, I've never stabbed anyone in the back. And then Ron Perlman was like, you want to kill you want to kill a man like me, son? You better stab me in the back. That's the catch. Honorable men, well, they die hard and they still die. It's men like me who survive and conquer. Men like me understand that a fight is not about who's right; it's about who's left. Right. I loved that like little speech right there. And the best part about that scene, about that little speech, is that they intercutted with Joshi fighting the others, yep. the the other guy. Mm-hmm. And right when he says "honorable man," fucking Joshi gets stabbed, stabbed. through like the fucking arm. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's just like it's really good intercutting. It's mm-hmm. really good thematics. Yeah. Ron Perlman delivers those lines, like, really good. Yes. Uh, really well. Mm-hmm. And then, like, my favorite thing is, that, like, and this is going back to, like, the anime mm-hmm. archetype, is that these bad guys are monologuing in the mm-hmm. same way that they would monologue in, like, Dragon Ball Z or, mm-hmm. like, Bleach or anything like that. Yeah. And then you really get to see an idea of, like, what the hero is fighting against and, then like, what the bad guy is fighting for. Mm-hmm. But not because they're showing you, because they're telling you. Yeah. But they're telling you in such an entertaining way. Okay. That you really don't care that they're not showing it and telling you. I, I kind of care. I mean, but yeah, I don't, it's like I, I was entertained, but it's just like to the point where you know how we talk about um, loud versus quiet, light yeah. versus dark, and having that juxtaposition. I wanted more for like my enjoyment. I guess, like I said, just George judging it as a movie, movie, not as like the anime cartoon type movie. I'm judging yeah. it as like I wanted more of those quiet moments so I can enjoy some of the 45 minutes of straight action. Right. You know, because like it's, it's one of those movies to where you can fast forward, close your eyes, fast forward, and push play and there's fighting yep. you know is there's there's a lot of action a lot of it's gratuitous like i said it's just like if you want to have fun and see people get their ass kicked see blood see fights then that's going to happen in 70 yeah. percent of this movie but it's just it was to the point to where i don't care about these people that are getting their ass kicked like if you if you enjoy seeing it then that's one thing but and I, I don't care about i don't know how many people died in that thing that <laughs> so didn't bad. matter so <laughs> you, you know yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. The the thing is, like, I don't really have a distinction between, like, a movie movie and then, like, this type of movie. Because mm. for me, this type of movie is, is, it's like a movie movie that has a specific purpose. And it's yes, a specific, it's, it's, it's a specific agenda. Yeah, yeah, it does. Definitely has um, an agenda. And, like, I felt like that agenda, for me, I understood what the agenda was. Yep. And I consumed all of the agenda. Yeah. And I wanted a little bit more of that agenda. Okay. Um, 
But I agree. Like, like there, there, there weren't enough quiet moments. Mm-mm. And the moments that were quiet were either the narrator or there was like these animated sequences that were really well done, mm-hmm. uh, done by a Brazilian filmmaker okay. um, that did the animated shorts. Um, so like those are really the quiet moments when the narrator is giving you the philosophy of the movie or like what the characters are feeling at the time yeah. or when like they're walking quietly through a hallway while the narrator says something about like love and hope and mm. <laughs> whatever. Um, but the character introductions are one of my favorite things. When they, when they introduced the drifter yeah. and they were given the narration of like what his life, I don't remember his narration, but he showed up just looking like a badass. Mm. And said, there's a $1,000 bounty on that guy. Yeah. It's 110 I ways. That. Killed the second guy. It's just like, well, 2000? there's a 2,000 split nine ways. That doesn't quite that, work out. That, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yep. that was awesome. Uh, love that shit. Yep. And I love that the, like, right then we, we smash cut into the Japanese aesthetic. Yeah. And they're like, speaking Japanese and the subtitles. Mm. I fucking loved. Because, like, one of my favorite things in filmmaking is when, like, when you need to have subtitles, mm. don't slap them on the end of the screen. Make, Make him look part nice. of your composition. Yes, yeah. And uh, fucking handle that amazingly well. Yeah. Loved it. They were like tiny Japanese scrolls. Yeah. And I was just like, mm, so good. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, but like his character introduction is awesome. His monologue was awesome. Yeah. And I was just like, there's the, there was something about like not caring about life as much as you do about honor. Mm. And especially if you're Japanese. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then that's the moment when like the big baddies walk in and then. Fucking Joshi just walks up to him and starts eating wasabi on yep. his plate like goddamn <laughs> badass. That was nice. Oh fuck yes. Oh yeah. I want more of that. It's so good. I think if like for this this director, like I was going through like seeing everything else that he's mm-hmm. done, but like I, I want to. I found value in him, and the value is that um like this is a like a medium budget fantasy that yeah. that is presented like a blockbuster. Yeah. You know, it looks like there's a lot more money put into this than there actually was. You know, 25 way- million 25 million dollar was the actual budget and shit this is like a hundred million dollar presentation yeah, you know the way that it looks so it's like if there's anything if like if, if, I, if i'm a, if i'm a movie producer and i see his name come up there like i'm not gonna hire him to write anything for me <laughs> you know like anything you know i'm not gonna hire him to, to direct anything you know or anything like that but as far as taking a dime and making a dollar out of it as far as the production value and the quality level of your movie mm-hmm. damn right come get on board come get on the ship because like what he was able to do with that limited amount of resources $25 like that's limited amount you know? but, but, but still like it for, is very limited in the it, movie world it is like yeah. seriously yeah yeah but for take that and then to visually you like take 25 million and make it look like 100 million like that is a high quality a plus for what he's able to do there yeah you know so uh this is yeah this is a guy that like he's a very specific type of persona mm. in terms of like what his presentation does but also he has another movie called holly holly, yeah. holly yep. um which is i heard him talk about holly mm. i haven't seen holly but yeah. apparently it's a complete 180 of mm. what this movie is yep. um so i'm interested to see what that looks like um because he has this philosophy where it's just like i just feel like if you're make, if you're taking two years to mm. make a movie and you're not challenging yourself to fuck up while making that movie yeah then are you really spending that time wisely? That's a good song. And I absolutely love that. After yeah. making a movie that seems to be like I hear or read as the 180 of to this, this movie, yeah. and then trying something that is as ambitious as this mm-hmm. and as interesting as this, yeah. just really makes me think that he holds true to that philosophy of going like, well, if I'm going to make a fucking movie, I'm going to have fun. I'm yes. going to do the movie that I want to make. Yep. And then I'm going to challenge my sensibilities as a filmmaker. Yeah. 
And I really, really appreciate that. And I think yeah. it shows in the in the film too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I respect that. I respect that more than anything. Is when someone is like, "This is the way that I see the world." I don't care who you know. Everyone could be behind me saying that I'm wrong, but this is what I see. You know, say so I'm going to give you my my view. Right. It's you know, a very I'm, Lynchian way of approaching. Yeah, someone. yeah. I mean, I like that. I, I respect it, and I hope that there's a film in the future that is able to validate this for me in a way that I can put him in like a like credible directors yeah. and, and mentioning, mentioning him in that because this right here isn't a flop. This shows something that there's talent there. Yeah. You know, it, it shows definite talent and definite ability, you know, but I want to be able to, I want to see his next film be able to just balance things out a bit more for me, you know, but, um, He's, he's not bad at all. There, there are two other elements that I really appreciated about this movie, mm. and that's being, of course, the cinematography of the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, when the the cinematography, the point of view is focused on the drifter, mm. which, again, I love that they don't have, that he doesn't have a name. It's yeah. just like, this the hero with no name just fucking makes my dick hard in yeah. every movie. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, the cinematography, when the drifter shows up in the scenes, is very Western-oriented. Mm. The shots, we have, like, the cowboy shot that shows him, like, everything, like, a little bit below the knees, mm. um, which is traditional because the cowboys American. used to have their holsters, mm-hmm. uh, their thighs. Yep. And then, like, they have that. They have, like, sort of, like, the sound design that's very western with a very sharp, pungent sounds mm. that escalate tension. And then smash cut to the Japanese guy, and you have that very hidden uh, crouching tiger, hidden dragon yeah. vibe to yeah. cinematography. Mm-hmm. And the way that they juxtapose that and the way that the, their respective fight scenes, which with their respective abilities mm. are shot, I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. And the drifter was like the sort of brutal punching, just like thick, like fucking slappy sounds. Yeah, yeah. And then the the samurai was like this really tranquil, not as much action driven, mm-hmm. just more precise, like slashy met- metallic sounds. Yeah. And it made me happy mm. to see that. So that's one element that I really like, the yep. way that he blends those aesthetics together and mm. the way that he treats them independently when the characters are independent of each other. Yeah. I think that's really important. See that? And then the other element that I really, really love is the sound design of okay. this movie. The sound design is fucking phenomenal. Uh-huh. I, don't know, I don't know if you agree, um, but when you have like characters on the screen and they're getting hit and everybody's getting hit, mm. And I differentiate between every punch every sound, yeah. that is hitting yeah. those dudes. That sound design is kind of good. <laughs> I, like, um, yes and maybe. Because <laughs> it's definitely not a no. But I was listening to that sound design too. And what I want to give a lot of props for is the time that it took to be able to do that. You know, because yeah. like you're saying, every single individual motion, sound, everything is like, a lot of like. <laughs> yeah. It was very meticulous. Like they took a lot of time and I just like put myself in their shoes of, you know, whoever that editor was, whoever the sound design person was like the hours, you know, for me to come behind you and be like, you don't know what you're doing. But like, bitch, you couldn't do better than that. And I couldn't, I couldn't (laughs) sit there and do what they did better than what they did, you know, but where I, what I didn't enjoy about that is how over the top it was. It was just like, do you need to have all of that? It's like, well, let's just stuff some more inside the box. Like the goddamn box won't even close now. It's overflowing with fucking sounds bro like chill out a little bit ding ding bang, bang, bang. like it's everywhere uh, so it's like when as far as we're talking about like aesthetic and what it's trying to do it doesn't miss no, like it does it, it follows exactly the aesthetic that it's trying to do like that no one like I, like I said I couldn't take that and then make it better for that movie right you know so it's like what they were going for yes hell yeah they did it 
But there's also like a lot of like creative choices with sound design that I found really interesting. Like mm. the Japanese doors that close, yeah. those make a very light sound. It's like a very like yeah. sound, and then they just close very quietly. Yeah. But a lot of times, this movie fucking put like metal door sounds yeah. when those doors close. Yeah, for Or like whenever whenever there's like a like a samurai sword hitting another samurai sword. Yeah. Like people would like to like draw out those sounds and just make the metal scraping. Yeah. Like, fing, fing. Yeah. Yeah. This movie's just very like ding, 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 yeah. ding, like super yeah. quick mm-hmm. to like give you the not the illusion but to enhance the idea that these guys are doing very precise movements yeah. and they're not sloppily fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it works amazingly well. Oh yeah. There's my favorite element of sound design, which is a recurring sound design, is when the drifter fixes his hat. Mm. It, every time he does this, or like he like bring up rotates or down. Mm-hmm. the the rim of brim, his back. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a revolver spinning. Mm, I didn't notice that. Like, oh, so fucking... I mm. saw that. He fixed his hat at the, after the first bar scene and it's just like... Oh. And it's just like, oh, that's fucking good. I didn't, oh, I didn't notice good. that with the gun thing. <laughs> the, the only uh, like metaphor type thing I noticed with the gun with um with the stranger or the drifter mm-hmm. was the um, Woody Harrelson, the very first time he come, the uh, the drifter comes in and has a cigarette in his mouth, Woody Harrelson has a lighter that's shaped like a gun yeah. and it's pointed directly at you know the drifter and he looks at it for a minute like kind of like, what the fuck? And it's never explained, but it's like you have to understand like this is a movie, with, this is a world without guns. Yeah. This is a, a cowboy without a gun, you know, and he has a gun pointed <laughs> it directly at his face you know to light a cigarette and he's a stranger to this bar it's his first time he's there so he takes the light but you can tell that it was a bit of a weird thing for him he was a bit apprehensive about it and then later in the movie he comes out he's at the bar he takes a cigarette out and he's about to smoke a Woody Harrelson takes that gun out again and light it and it's like no bro I know you now like (laughs) I was being courteous you know because my first time here but I don't fuck with guns and you're not about to point this gun again at me (laughs) to light this cigarette like fuck out of here with that gun like I, I love that because like it's not that's, you don't get that through dialogue. No, you just not. have to understand where they are in the world and, you know, just piece those two pieces of puzzles together. You know? And I, actually, I didn't, I didn't piece those together at all. I like so that. that's really yeah. fucking cool. Oh, yeah. Um, another, another element that I really liked about Woody Harrison was, like, how he was always behind the bar mm-hmm. uh, in the bar scenes. And then, like, whenever there was a fight, he never even left the bar. No. Like, like oh, there like you go. <laughs> the, fucking, the fucking drifter just, like, smash a bunch of glass in his bar. Yep. And then you see the shot when everyone's setting in. He's just, like, quietly cleaning the fucking glass in the yeah, background. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it just fucking struck me as funny, but it was. <laughs> there, there was a, a, a moment in cinematography that I liked a whole lot. The um, When Yoshi comes into the bar for the first time, mm-hmm. he sits down, and then he's like, uh, yeah, I want a bottle of whiskey. Doesn't matter what kind. You know, yeah. so so Woody, and then it's like you can tell when something is supposed to matter, like where the camera is placed and how the attention to detail and how long it's sitting there. And then it's like I could tell one of those moments were happening. It didn't really mean anything to the movie, right. but just like sitting there in it was really nice. So he he goes up to the top shelf and then he brings down a bottle of whiskey. Well, the, the, sorry, the movie does something where it goes to the top shelf mm-hmm. and then it goes to the shelf above, above the that. Shelf. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like letting you know that this is the most expensive of the expensive with no dialogue <laughs> being said at all. No. You just got Yo- Yoshi is sitting down, think he's just about to get, uh, get a drink. He's not even there for the drink. You know, he's there for the information. But he was like, I just want one of anything, you know. Right. And as a bartender, you've been a bartender before. Right. You don't want anything. I'm trying to make money, bitch. <laughs> you know, if you're not being specific, then yeah. Right. So um, he pulls the, the bottle down. And it's a very nice, elegant uh, bottle, a glass of bottle thing and he poured and, and there's like a little piece of tape over the top yep. of it and he's very gentle and he lifts that up so slowly and he takes the cap off very cautiously then brings the bottle up to him and smells it. he's like 
And he's like, oh, you can tell this is something special. He pours some inside the glass, and then like two little drops, you know, fall on the counter. He takes his finger, and then he licks up the yep. liquor, you know, from the <laughs> counter. And then he gives us like, all right, that'll be $55. <laughs> what the fuck? Absolutely selling the fuck out of that whiskey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, I love the acting from, from Woody right there, you know, because that could just be fucking shit-ass tea yep. <laughs> inside of that. You know, but you were like making us believe that this is a five hundred five thousand dollar bottle of liquor you God know right. and i'm like yeah man I, I, I like that a lot yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of this movie that is honestly that kind of over the topness mm-hmm. that would normally be exhausting mm-hmm. for a lot of movies like scott program has a similar style mm-hmm. where it's all very exhausting and over the top mm-hmm. but it, it's such a purposeful thing yeah that i have no choice but to respect it mm-hmm. And then, like, in this movie, in Monroco, it's definitely such a stylistic choice. Oh, yeah. And a stylistic agenda yeah. to do all of those things yep. that I can't, like, for me as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. I can in good conscience take away from the movie, like, take take away, oh. like, like like valuation from the movie. Not the good things. Like, because, no. of, because of that. Because it, it lands the tonality. Mm-hmm. And even though the things that I didn't like, which are, there are some things that the choreography was a little bit long at some point. Mm-hmm. It was drawn out and then the baddie i just kind of got tired of him after the third time he showed up yeah so but like even those like bad things i just feel like i I wouldn't have done them any better within that style that the film has like i don't know how i would have addressed those things to make them better than i thought that they were in this film i don't don't think we can take much away as far as style as besides that like um like someone not from that 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 uh, niche of mm-hmm. some similar kind of movies style, it hits everything that all the marks are trying yep. to hit. But what I do take like the good things that they did, I can't take away from. Right. But the bad things, it's like you can't hire this guy to be your writer. Yeah, like you can't. Not, like cannot. you cannot. And this isn't a very well written movie. The plot is not very good. Narration is not good. Like there's a lot of things that are not good. But the things that he was trying to do well, they he did, did well. It look. It looks like he he's seen a list of ten things on a piece of paper that you need to do in order to have a great movie. And he picked seven. He picked. He picked like six of those things, <laughs> yeah. and he did those well, and he ignored those other things. You know. So it's like for the things that he did well, I can't take anything from it. Yeah. Like I I wasn't a biggest fan of it, but it's like I'm not a big fan of sushi either but i can't say sushi is shit you know because it is what it is like you did exactly what you tried to do with those things yeah um this is this movie that i think would have been improved if i had seen sort of like there's always this argument over style versus softness Mm. and we watched the man from uncle Mm. which i felt like it was a really fantastic blend of style and substance yeah i would have liked i would have liked this movie to be more of that Mm. to be be a more like a more stylish bland fucking christ (laughs) to be a more stylish brand of substance yes. that's what i would have liked this Me movie too. to be i agree um and i feel like if it had done that it would have strongly surpassed the score that it that it has Me right too. now oh yeah um but apart from that uh, i mean i had fun watching the movie Same. had a good time mm-hmm. uh it hits all of the niches though like all the stuff yeah. that i'm into yeah there was one shot where the drifter is going down the hallway so it's yeah. like all the, this profile shot yep. and it looks very much like a beat-em-up and you have the sound design of like a beat-em-up game with like random coin sounds <laughs> yeah, and yeah. glass breaking and all of that yep. now it's going like this looks fucking stupid and mm-hmm. i love it it was fun yeah <laughs> you know? yeah um so there was a lot of that in in, in this film yeah. and i really really liked it but if the substance had blended with the style mm. a little bit better. I feel like this movie would have been strongly recognized as a fantastic film. Yeah, like yeah, it, it, it would be in like the lexicon, in the zeitgeist, yeah. you know, of of movies that you hear about every so often, you know. But it's just 
it's missing one element, but I, you can't throw it in the trash because of that. Right. Yeah. Um, that being said, I loved all the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, Besides Demi Moore, but yeah. Besides, well, Demi Moore, she didn't get written to do anything. She, 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 spit, she spits in a guy's face, yeah. you know, once, and they show her a few times. She has right. very little dialogue. I yeah. thought the spitting in the guy's face was a cool scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, like, like, the performances were great. Yeah. The, the only one that was kind of rough was the Japanese girl, Momoko. Okay. Um, but she wasn't didn't have the much screen, in there either. Like, you know, she yeah. was like, there were... I would have liked to see a more interesting female character in the film. I mean, like I say, he like if you if you give this guy a good writer, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Then this he can make some <laughs> damn good movies. Right. But he wrote and directed it, and like when we talk about those, when you get those, you get a very uncompromising type of movie. Yeah. And for what it is, I like a lot the things that I like a lot, and the things that aren't there, they're just not there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but overall, I think this is a fantastic, like. There's a fantastic cult classic movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like this movie has a cult of followers mm. and that cult loves it very much. Yeah. I can see why I too. I think that that's, that this is one of the definitions of like a cult classic film. Yeah. I can see that. For me. And yeah. I personally loved it. Mm. Had a fantastic time with it. Yeah. And I would absolutely watch it again. I will, anytime that I run across um, like people that love anime or um, love, like they say their favorite movie is Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. or um, that just like things in this vein, I would recommend it to them yeah. for a specific type of people to watch a movie. But like, I probably wouldn't recommend it to like just the average everyday person that I see. Like, right, yeah. you know, but, but um, it, it is, there's, there's value in it. There's definite value in it. Uh, Moshe, he has value as a director. He has a definite vision. His style is up there in top seven as far as um, being able to stylize a movie, you know, mm-hmm. for me and things that I've seen. So um, he's definitely someone that's going into my brain. I know who this guy is now. I recognize him and I'll check for when he sure, does something else. There's so many things that I want to talk about. And one of them was like sort of the transitional style of the film where like everything was origami like a pop-up book i love that the representation of the pop-up book too with woody harrelson so good Mm -hmm. which i think it was making fun of (laughs) spider-man i didn't know it was was an arachnid or like beta dude and he had special powers but it comes well so you take (laughs) spiders don't have superpowers they climb walls yeah yeah. (laughs) also woody harrelson has a really great line it's like do you hear that my bed calling me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, I love that aesthetic of like the origami, um, mm. transitioning from scene to scene. Yes. And then I feel like that's a really good way to blend and transition from one scene to the other, mm. and not lose the aesthetic of the movie despite yeah. the setting being so drastically different. Oh yeah. Because we have like rural areas and we have like city areas and we have like the inside of bars. Yeah. And they never feel incoherent from one another, partly mm. because these transitions are so good. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is just like, even though the choreography and the fight is happening all of the time, yeah. there are moments of real narrative storage, as real narrative storytelling yeah. within those fights. Mm. Like when Joshi and the Drifter are fighting, um, that's a real good sense of, those are two people yep. that are having a dialogue with their fist. That's one of my favorite fights. And it, yeah, it's my favorite mm. fight of the movie. Yeah. I thought it was fucking Cause like it, Cause it, like it matters. Like I yeah. care about both of those characters. And that's something like when the action, like when, 15 people are running up and just getting slaughtered. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, they're just throwaway people, you know, but when you're invested in both characters and then now this fight means something. So like, I I, I like that fight a lot. And Mm. yeah, that was, that was my favorite fight because Mm. of that too. They had that that narrative and I care about the characters and then, they had the realization, like you said, it's like, oh, okay, we're on the same skill level. Yep. And like, that's what that fight was about. I love that. And Woody Harrison was there, not as a mediator, Um, but as a sort of like a witness that mm. there was one person that recognizes that you two are equal and yeah. you should work together. Yeah. And I love that. And I also, I love the fact that he pulled a little like the cocktail umbrella. umbrella. Yeah. 
but like a like a man sized one. And yeah. Just sat there in the rain watching these yeah. people fight. And he, he he recognizes them because he is them. Well, right, he yeah. used to be them. You know, he uh, he used to be a fighter the same way that they used to be. But then he ran up against the wrong person, and now he said he he was a cowboy with a like a a jog or a spring in his step, and yep. now he's a cowboy with a limp. Yep. You know, and it's just like so he sees. I went I went alive. With, I went from alive with a spring in my step to alive and limping. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like he sees what they are, and he knows what they can be together. You know. I, I, I like those those are old wise figures who can't can, can no longer be the thing, but they can help someone else realize their own potential. Right. So I mean, I like that. Um, that was really fucking awesome. Yeah. And then the fight where Joshi is fighting Nikolai, and then I mean Joshi's fighting number two, mm. and then uh, the Drifter is fighting Nikolai. Mm. That was some good narrative intercutting there, and then Joshi's fight had a lot of like really good um, cinematography that relates to that that archetype of filmmaking mm -hmm. and that was presented really well but the even though the narrative was with um the drifter when we cut to joshi and the narrator was doing same things that apply to the drifter they mm -hmm. also apply to joshi yeah. there was a good narrative mirroring there that is usually hard to find when mm -hmm. you have a character as different as a samurai who lives by a specific code of honor mm -hmm. and then a cowboy that lives by the lack of mm -hmm. a code of honor yeah and I thought that that was really good characterization, really good narrative uh, yeah. filmmaking, and I loved it. Okay. And I think that's like, that's, I think that's all I want to say about the movie. It's very niche oriented. Mm. You have to like the things that it's trying to do yeah. in order to like really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but it does those things well. Yeah. And if you like those things, then you'll fucking love this movie. Yeah. And if you don't, then you fucking hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As as a user, from a user review, yeah, if you don't like those things, then yeah, you're going to give it those 15% scores that were bullshit online. Right. So, yeah. But that being said, I, I don't think the critics mm -hmm. gave it a fair scoring. I think the, I think the critic score is far too low. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. Like for the mass, like just seeing an overall uh, mm -hmm. score of like a twenty-eight or overall score of like a fifteen percent. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah, like, like I understand like a fifty percent score, like a sixty percent score, mm -hmm. but anything lower than like twenty-eight or like forty it's for me really hits at that snobbishness of criticism that I really hate. But that's that's what, what I what I mean about about um about critics to where it's like they judge things based on their enjoyment level and not how the what that movie actually does. Right. You yeah. know, just because you don't enjoy a movie doesn't mean it's a piece of shit. It right. means that you didn't enjoy it. You know, it still can be a nine or a ten. Like this movie here, like people didn't enjoy it, so it's a two. Like, no, like, I didn't super enjoy this movie, but I can't, like I said, I can't take away from the things that it does. You know, it's yeah. like there's a lot of potential and talent, you know, in the, in this director. And it's like, as far as stylizing a movie, it's top 10, you know, that, mm -hmm. I, that I've seen done that well. Sound design, editing, like he has a lot of things going well for, for him that you just can't idly throw a two out of 10 at something like this. Right, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that being said, I love this movie. I love watching it. I love the experience of watching it. Mm -hmm. I would watch it again. Uh, my score for it, however, lingers at about a six point five. I was at a six. Yeah, I'm at a six. But but like I say, even even Steel was like, I don't want people to hear uh, this is a six and then decide that oh it's not a seven eight or a nine, so it doesn't have any merit to be watched. Yeah. It still does. Like if you listen to this entire episode, if these things that we're talking about that they did well, if that's in your wheelhouse, you're gonna really love this movie. You're gonna really love it. Yeah, you know. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, 6.5. 6 for you. Yeah. Um, absolutely recommend it as a fun time movie. If, mm. if you're watching it with friends, you might enjoy it a lot more. I, I agree. Um, but yeah, a fantastic movie for me. Guy Mosh. Uh, yeah. I'm curious to see what you do. And I want to watch too. Holly and see how that was. Yeah. Um, anything else to add? Uh, no, I mean, yeah. No. yeah I think we've covered it. Yeah. I think we covered it. 
Um, so we're gonna cut and then cut into talk about uh, television and movie premieres. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed that from this one. I mean, that that, that helps to you to not get the same movie over and over and over again because these are the only skills, uh, tools inside your toolbox. Right. You know, and he actually talked about that. He said that filmmakers often nowadays, because of the highly competitive nature of the market, Mm. they stick to the things that they're particularly good at. Mm -hmm. And they make fine movies, but they don't challenge themselves as artists. And I feel like this director, he wants to make a good movie, but he also wants to challenge himself as Mm -hmm. a filmmaker. And I think that's really admirable, and I respect that a lot. As a creative, that's yeah. super admirable. In- so, I mean, fucking incredibly. Hell yeah. Um, anyway, television and movie premieres. Hey, hey. Yes. Uh, this week in television and movie premieres starting Tuesday, December the 11th through Monday, December the 17th. Uh, we got two shows coming out. The first one's going to be Friday, December the 14th, Roma. That's the, um, the Oscar bait that I was talking about from, uh, from Netflix that's coming out. Oh, Roma. Roma. Okay. Uh, it's going to be this Friday, December the 14th. Um, the rundown is this could be Netflix's best chance to finally crack the Oscar best picture uh, best picture film. Is that literally what the? That's literally what it says. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but I'm, they're trying hard. I, they are trying, but okay. I think this is going to be very, very, very good. I hope at least. But um, let's see. Uh, certainly, after an impressive fall festival debut, Roma stands as 2018's one of 2018's very best films. It will get a war qualifying theatrical run in November. Yada yada yada. Alfonso Curion. Uh, uh, what do we know him from? What do we know him from? Uh, that makes me familiar. I reckon that's Arrival. Arrival. That's okay. Oh arrival. no, no, no. Here we go. Gravity. Gravity. That's right. I mean, same. Wait, well, not the same movie, but, you know, it's the same type of space movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> space. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he uh, he did Arrival, uh, t- not Arrival, uh, Gravity in 2013. Uh, let's see. That sounds weird. Uh, and it's shot in 65 millimeter. You're right. Uh, Arrival is uh, Villanueva. Yeah. Yeah. They said it's, um, it's, it's black and white. It's a black and white Spanish language film. Uh, is both intimate and focuses on personal and also large in format. And it's shot in 65 millimeter, which I'm not super big fan of, but, you know, we'll see. Is it shot 65? 65. Entire thing. It's usually 35 or 70. 65. This, the, th- the entire thing is shot in 65 millimeter by Kiran himself. Do not watch this on your oh, iPad. Oh, okay. Saying, I said like 65 millimeter lens. That's what I'm thinking is lens. Or 65 millimeter sensor size. Why would it be that? That's weird. That, that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. if it is a 65 millimeter sensor size, that's bizarre. It has yeah, to be a lens. That's why I, I would be thinking lens. Yeah. You know? Interesting. But I am I'm super interested in, in anyone that uses, you know, just like one or two lenses for an entire movie or yeah. an entire short. Like, I like seeing things like that. And 35 is my favorite. But 65, we'll see what you do with it. Oh, this is also the guy that uh, did Children of Men. Children of Men. Yeah. I love Children of Men. We'll be covering that yeah. later yeah. in the block. Yeah. But yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, I think he's a super talented filmmaker. Oh, I yeah. saw his his movie that he did in Spanish called Itu Mama Tambien. Itu Mama Tambien. I've seen, yeah. I seen Itu Mama Tambien. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. It's, it's about the uh, the two guys and the uh, the girl. They're like on a road trip and they're like, yep. yeah, I love that fucking movie. It's really made me really uncomfortable, but Fuck. I fucking loved it. <laughs> that is wild. Man, do you know, this is the first time I've ever said that name of a movie to anyone. Oh, really? yeah. It's, it's going gonna, gonna to go down. Like, when do you think the next time you'll be able to have a conversation with someone about Bon Raku movie we just Bon Raku? Yeah. Like fucking in like maybe five years? Maybe 
15, 20. <laughs> and that's the, it just, I've never been able to say e tu mama tambien to somebody without being like, what the fuck? <laughs> and your mama too, bitch. <laughs> but it was like, they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, you're the only other person who knows that movie and has seen it. And we might have to cover that one day. Yeah, we might like, have to. Because it's a really awkward movie. But yeah. it's a really well done movie. Hell yeah, man. Um, it's uh, Gael Garcia okay. is in that movie. I don't know. Who's in The Science of No Sleep. I think it's Gael Garcia. Idea. Who's in the the science of sleep, and then he's recently, fuck. He made a he made a movie on Netflix recently. He's like a Mexican actor that made it into the English speaking film world after working with a lot of with Cuaron and working with like Spanish speaking filmmakers that broke into the American mainstream. Yeah, and he is fucking fantastic. Hell he's really yeah. fucking good. That's what's it up. Was in a, it was in a music video with Calle Treza, Calle Treza which is that his Puerto Rican rapper. Okay. Um, too. So like, it, he's fucking good. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, no, we should definitely cover it to Mama Tambien at some point. Man, a small. I'm telling like a small part of me just like lit up, <laughs> like that, like the small neglected part that never gets attention at all, <laughs> and just accept it. You know that you're never gonna have any just, friends. Like that part inside my brain, the E2 Mama Tambien part, just accepted. Yeah, it would never have friends. It would never conversate. <laughs> just you finally believe in Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man! That's awesome. All right, that's um, but that's Roma is going to be yeah. out this Friday, December the fourteenth on Netflix. So check that out. Uh, the next and last thing is going to be Saturday, December the fifteenth. Pete Holmes, Dirty Clean. Is that a special comedy special? Yeah, cool. it's on uh, HBO at ten p.m. So that this Saturday, Pete Holmes, Dirty Clean. I like Pete Holmes. I, I like him too, yeah. but it's surprising that I do. You know, yeah, it's he's very not. Yeah, he's Not super safe band. and clean, yeah. <laughs> and it's like those aren't usually the people that I like. But um, I'm I don't know. I guess because like I've seen, I've watched this, well, listened to his podcast, and seen aggressive people come on there. Mm-hmm. And when you see someone that's not aggressive and how they deal with those people. I just I admire it, you know, because they they never they never get aggressive with them. They, if anything, they'll go in the room and go somewhere and cry. Yeah. You know, if someone you know just gets <laughs> in them like that, and it just it makes me like. Not, I don't know, have sympathy for him or just like him more or something He's like that? He's definitely, like, likable as a comedian because mm-hmm. comedians have this air of being, like, just kind of broken assholes, mm-hmm. like Bill Burr and Mark yeah. Maron oh, yeah. Yeah. from George Carlin. Yep. But Pete Holmes just kind of like, fuck yeah, dude, let's just go out and just have a drink. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I, I, I fucking love him. I like But he's too. also, like, his humor is, like, he's he looks safe. Yeah. But he definitely has dark humor in his oh, yeah. comedy. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting combination. It's kind of yep. like John Mulaney, mm, where John Mulaney good. looks very safe yeah. and looks very normal mm-hmm. in terms of like, I'm going to talk about like my wife and kids, yeah. but then he talks about the one time that he got blackout drunk and stole a family picture. <laughs> that kind of that thing. And yeah. I, I think Pete Holmes falls in that line, which is why I love him. And you nailed it on the head. The name of this comedy special is Dirty Clean. There you go. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. That's exactly what this kind of guy is. Um, that's it for television. We got a few movies coming out. Uh, chief among them that I think a lot of people are looking forward to is the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You into that? So good. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's a it's a PG movie. It's a hundred and seventeen minute runtime. Has an eighty six meta score. Miles Morales becomes a Spider Man of his reality and crosses paths with his counterparts from other dimensions to stop a threat to all reality, including Peter Porker. Peter Porker. I genuinely first of all, I'm super excited that it's a Miles Morales Spider Man yes. movie. And I'm also, the animation for this movie looks gorgeous. Yep. They did, uh, this is a tiny detail to be like super into, mm-hmm. but it's based on obviously the comic book style. Mm-hmm. So when they're doing things out of focus, they have a halftone pattern um, that is typical of like comic, comic book, book printing looked like yeah. back in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. 
that is with chromatic aberration as the out of focus blur uh, instead of just having it just be having literally it. blurry yeah they just have that throw it over top translation like, oh. mm-hmm. so good i like yeah i'm, so I'm, I'm interested in that i mean i'm yeah. gonna have to see it because my girlfriend sucks spider-man's dick like daily <laughs> so i'm gonna have to see this no matter what yeah. but uh yeah i'm interested in that too though um it's, 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 I suck Spider-Man's dick too. I mean, you know, lie. he's got a pretty big dick. You know, spider dick. I don't know where I don't like where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, the only only uh, shame, the only shameful thing for me is that this came out so far after, like ten years ago. Uh, Donald Glover was campaigning so hard to be fucking Spider-Man, yep. so hard, and then just like times have changed now to the point to where they were they're okay with making it. But he's even come on. I was like, man, that was ten years ago. I'm too old to be Spider-Man now. Too old to be Miles Morales. <laughs> Like, what, what were y'all at 10 years ago when I was fighting for this? Unless, like, they make, like, a weird what-if universe where Miles Morales is the Peter Parker. That would be know? different, yeah. That would be different. But, yeah, it's like, I, I am glad that we finally got to the point to where we can get, you know, the Miles Morales and, you know, superheroes of color, you know, shown, shown yeah. on movies in the big screen. That's going to be pretty fucking good. Hells, yeah. But um, that's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, the next two movies are both movies I'll be going to see immediately. The first one is The Mule. The Mule. Uh, the Mule is a rated R, 116 minute runtime. This is Eastwood, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The um the trailer for it, if y'all would have seen, is um the very beginning of it is Clint Eastwood being pulled over, or no, he's he's on the side of the road. He opens up his trunk and you see bags of peanuts, and then he goes through a little more. Then he sees lots of cocaine. Mm-hmm. He's the police comes over, asks him if he needs any help, and then he's just trying to brush off that it's only transporting. Peanuts. Peanuts, But um, the story is, well, I can read the story. A (laughs) 90-year-old, a 90-year-old horticulturalist. What is a horticulturalist? Like somebody Uh, that ground, like plant plant people? Yeah, plant farmer. Yeah. A 90-year-old farmer. Why don't you say farmer? Fucking ass. Because it's not, because he doesn't farm them. He breeds them. He like, like heals them. He like crossbreeds them. Mm. Farmer only cultivates. Uh, Horticulturist. Like a healer? Not healer, but he's involved in the science of like making the strain stronger, Mm. making the plant breed longer, like selective breeding, that kind of stuff. So he's a farmers. Farmers do a lot of that. Horticulturist is just the proper way to call a farmer. So he's a smart farmer. Yes. <laughs> trying to find a way to break it down for yeah. me. He's like, yeah. He's an intelligent farmer. He's an intelligent farmer. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, why don't you say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typically farmers only cultivate, horticulturists do all of the other shit and cultivate. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, so, so we got a nine. Why don't we fucking put that in the title? Smart, <laughs> smart farmer, farmer Clean Eastwood <laughs> transports so, cocaine. So a nine year old smart <laughs> farmer and a World War II veteran is caught transporting $3 million worth of cocaine through Michigan for a Mexican drug cartel. What's weird is um, when I was in Miami, I was watching this show. It was really like a real life show or whatever. And they actually did have an old white guy that was transporting drugs from Texas to Louisiana, mm-hmm. you know, because he's a white guy and police aren't very suspicious old of old white, white guys. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so weird that, you know, now seeing Clint Eastwood play that type of character, these old white men, you know, living these double lives. Like, yeah. I kind of like that. Fucking you know. Clint Eastwood is 82. He's an old guy. That man is 82. He's still fucking active. Acting in movies. Yeah, he's he's still writing and directing movies. God damn. Yeah, he he directed he directed this one too. It's um. It's, oh, he did. That's oh yeah. Awesome. It's starring him, Bradley Cooper, Michael Pena, and that's about it. Nice. 
I mean, I can't wait to see that. I yeah, am so far on board on that. And then the uh, the last but not least, the movie that I'm going to be seeing day one too is called If Bill Street Could Talk. It's a ra- I know this. Oh yeah, I know this. It's a, it's rated R, 119 minute runtime. It's a crime drama, 87 meta score. A woman in Harlem desperately scrambles to prove her fiance innocent of a crime while carrying their first child. The director is Barry Jenkins, and it stars Regina King, Stephen James, and Kiki Lane. My boy Jenkins. Um, interesting Jen- that he's got a movie coming out again, like right super close to the Oscar season. What uh, what other movie did he? Oh, that is movie. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Well, yeah. Yep. I can't wait for So that. we know that he's good. We, oh, know that yeah. he, we know that he's a fantastic filmmaker. Yeah. I'm interested to see how this one translates. Yeah. Um, with the sensibilities. I'm saying all, all the Oscar bait is coming out now. Like every week yep. from here on out, we're going to see Oscar type movies. Like I said, The Mule, If Bill Street Could Talk, Roma. That is all, all of these are we Oscar bait Green movies. Book. Green Book, Oscar yeah. bait. So yeah, we're going to have our, our uh, schedules filled <laughs> for the next like six weeks. Absolutely. Mm. And I still got to catch up on like Bo Burnham's movie mm. and uh, a couple of the other movies that came out when Bo Burnham's movie came out. Mm. And, like, I got to catch fucking Bohemian Rhapsody, too. Oh, man, I can't recommend that enough. Yeah, no, yeah. I know you fucking love that. I love and, that. like, the fucking singer, like, the guitarist of Queen said mm. that Rami. Rami Malik should get an Oscar for that performance. Yeah, so. it's, it, when, I, when I first read that, and I, I was like, who the fuck are you? Like, why, you have no say-so about the Oscars. You may have seen 10 movies in your life. You're not a critic. You don't. You have no way of being able to say who deserves an Oscar and who doesn't. That was my first thought. Yeah. Then the second thought, who has been around Freddie Mercury more than anyone that's seen this movie? <laughs> yeah. Brian May. So if he, if he says that someone, you know, did such a good job that it even convinced him that it was his longtime friend and bandmate, then I kind of got to roll with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? kind of don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm excited to I'm excited to catch up on a lot of movies. Mm. Honestly, yeah, and it's gonna be it's gonna be lit. Oh yeah, man. Um, man, that was a fucking good episode. Yes. Not, I don't want to suck my own dick, but I had fun talking about that episode. Man, I suck it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a really good episode. Yeah. Um, fuck yeah! I think I'm gonna do the run that now. Yep. Uh, so that was it. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, you can find me, you can find us on Twitter underscore FFS podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the FFS podcast. You can find us on iTunes Podcast app and then Google Play Store uh, under the name for film's sake. My personal Twitter handle is at Brian Archida. I'm at T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. All right, tell me what's hey. on your mind. They're going <laughs> uh, snow sl- uh, sledding. Snow sledding, yep. They, they got, they're going to climb up to the top of this hill and get on this little sled thing and go down. Yep. Right? That looks like fun. I saw it happening earlier and it was fucking fantastic. Hell yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.